A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Yay! This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. The pot of thunder and rock and roll. Spell you run We'll be broken by Chris Jericho. And it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. The People's Podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. Let's go for a ride. Ding a ling ding a ling ding 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 a ling ding a ling ding 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 a ling ding a ling ding 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 a ling ding 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 Talk is Jericho. How in the hell are you, my fine Jericho holics? Here today, got a good show for you today. Something a little different. Adult film legend Asa Akira is coming up, and guess what? It's a PG 13 interview. Hard to believe, but true. Asa is super funny, very, very cool. She's breaking down the fact and fiction of the porn scene, busting some myths of what's real and what's not on a porn set. Also talking about personally what led her down the path to adult film stardom and the real truth about what kind of money adult film stars make in the business. She's talking about body issues, acne, stereotypes, and of course we'll hear all about her book, Insatiable, A Love Story. In fact, you want to read Asa's book for yourself? You know where you can get her book, right? At 
Amazon. And if you do, please use my links, man. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, and the Canada A. Easiest way to support the show. Every time you shop at Amazon through one of my links, Amazon gives a small percentage of your purchase back to the show to help us cover production costs. Won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or charges. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts free banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You know what else you can get on Amazon? Okay, how about the new Fozzie album? Do you want to start a war? Or maybe the new Theory of a Dead Man album, Savages, which is a coincidence because Fozzie and Theory on tour right now. Got so many great shows under our belts. Had a show in Nashville the other day with uh, Dave Mustaine came to the show. Uh, I didn't even know. He, uh, he had texted a friend of mine and told him that he was coming down to see me, but didn't text me, which was a little peculiar, but he showed up. Great to see him. Always cool to have one of the greatest rock and roll thrash metal legends ever in the house hanging out and watching the Foz. If you haven't seen us play, you uh, can still come uh, this Sunday, New York City at the Gramercy Theater. That's the headlining show. Then we got Lancaster, Pennsylvania on October 6th, uh, October 7th in Boston, October 8th in Sayreville, New Jersey, 10th in Rochester, 11th in Cleveland, 12th in Bullsburg, Pennsylvania. And after the Theory of a Dead Man tours, uh, about a month later, the Cinderblock Party Tour with Fozzie, Texas Hippie Coalition, Shaman's Harvest will be going all across the nation at that, well, across the eastern part of the nation. That starts on November 20th in Flint, Michigan. Go to FozzieRock.com for all information on the Cinderblock Party and all information about the remaining Theory of a Dead Man shows. Tour's cooking, band is cooking, smoking. You are going to love it. I guarantee it. And on top of that, besides buying the new Theory of a Dead Man album, the new Fozzie album, the new Texas Coalition album, the new Shaman's Harvest album, you can also pre-order my new book, The Best in the World. At what? I have no idea. It's dropping on October 14th. If you happen to be doing some Amazon shopping, you can help out the show and my book in the process. Remember, go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keeper Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then hit the Talk is Jericho button bookmark so you can get to those links in one easy click. All right. Like I said, the best in the world at what I have no idea is coming out on October 14th. If you are interested, pre-order it now. That helps me out uh, immensely. And I read Chapter 6 last week, Sean the Liar. Let's go to number 27, chapter 27, which was my dad's number uh, when he played for the New York Rangers. It's kind of always been a number in my family. So I'll read uh, chapter 27 to you right now. It's called The Effeminate Tough Guy. When Big Show and I lost the tag team titles at DX in December 2009, I wasn't supposed to be on Raw any longer. But then Mike Tyson was booked for the show in mid-January 2012, and since Vince wanted my final Monday Night Blow-Off angle to be with him, we needed to think of a way to get me reinstated. What he came up with was one of the most bizarre angles of my career. At the final Raw before Christmas 2009, guest host Johnny Dame was going to grant show one wish from Santa Claus. He would then confront Santa in the ring and ask that his tag team partner and best friend Chris Jericho be allowed back on the program. Santa, of course, would say yes, but then that dastardly hornswoggle would run in the ring and rip off Santa's beard, revealing that jolly old Saint Nick was actually me. To make things even more preposterous, after I was unmasked like Shandy, Show and I would be attacked by a gang of midgets. It's as ridiculous as it sounds, but as Loverboy once said, we better start from the start. 
The big storyline of the night was Hornswoggle tie, uh, taking DX to Little People's Court for their constant mistreatment. Sean and Hunter would crawl into the ring where Swags lived, end up in another dimension, and embark on a wacky Alice in Wonderland-esque journey to find him. It was as rotten as it sounds, and you'd have to be on opium to find any of it entertaining. They would eventually find the Little People's Courtroom populated with a dozen dwarves who would put them on trial and find DX guilty. It was completely hokey, the kind of thing you'd only see in the WWE. Then after all that horse, show and I would treat all the munchkins to a massive beatdown. When the ragtag collection of minikins showed up for rehearsal, it was amazing to see how small they really were. Vince even told a couple of them to go home because he was afraid they might get hurt in the melee. The idea was they would surround us in a semicircle and attack, but Sho and I would eliminate every last one of them until DX came and chased us away. The thing had potential to stink out the joint, and when we were finished going over everything, Vince looked at me and said, my dad will be rolling in his grave after this. I responded, who can blame him? Besides, it's your fault. You booked this I put on a Santa outfit complete with fat suit granny glasses, bushy white eyebrows, and gaudy circles of rouge on my face that made my cheeks look like roses, my nose like a cherry. But it was quite convincing and nobody recognized me. I got the final approval from Vince who gave me the thumbs up but told me, make sure to change that prissy walk of yours. Everyone will know it's you if you don't. Vince always mocks my sliding gait at every opportunity and once told me you are the most effeminate tough guy I've ever met. He also hated when I went through my scarf phase, that's why Alberto Del Rio wears them to the ring as a heel, and abhors it when I sit with my legs crossed. Macho, macho McMahon! So I practiced watching like I had a candy cane up my ass and spoke with a weird accent that was half Mrs. Doubtfire, half Stewie from Family Guy. I had to come up with something, I wasn't about to be outdone by fresh ground pepper Santa now, was I? The segment began with Show in the Ring summoning Santa to hear his wish, and out he came with a rockin' version of Jingle Bells as his entrance music and a Bella Twin on each arm. It was recalculous to see Santa Claus written in huge letters on the Titan Tron with accompanying falling snowflakes like he was coming out to challenge Stone Cold Steve Austin for the world title. I strolled down the aisle doing everything I could not to walk like an effeminate tough guy, waving to the crowd like I was the Pope and bellowing ho 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 like a mofo-fo. Santa commented that Show was the biggest boy he'd ever seen, and it was probably a smart idea for Santa to sit on his lap instead. He asked Show if he'd been a good boy in his Stewie Doubtfire drawl, and he replied with a resounding, Yes, Santa, in an over-the-top, innocent voice. Then, Show told Santa that his only Christmas wish was for his best friend Chris Jericho to be reinstated on Raw. Santa pondered the request thoughtfully and finally granted his request, which, of course, the crowd hated. I couldn't believe they were actually buying this Show and Santa celebrated until Hornswoggle jumped into the ring and pulled off Santa's beard. Santa stared at Swags in a not-so-jolly way and chased him out of the ring. The crowd finally got it and gasped in recognition as I ripped off the rest of my disguise and revealed myself. That's Chris Jericho, said announcer Michael Cole with shock. Then it was our turn to be shocked as Hornswoggle and his dirty half-dozen, get it, emerged from under the ring and hopped into position. I can only imagine how uncomfortable Show felt as he had a phobia of little people, like the elephant and the mouse, but he held his cool and the standoff began. I would told the tiny terrors before the show to wait until I gave the cue before bum-rushing us, because as always I wanted the crowd at its peak before the fight began. But the fans weren't too sure what to make of the preposterous scenario and were almost silent, so I decided it was time to get it on and get it over with. I gave the cue, they charged, and I threw them off one by one like I was Gulliver, Gulliver until there was only one little guy hanging onto my leg for dear life as I dragged him along the mat. This is even more ridiculous considering I was wearing Santa trousers, suspenders, big black boots, rosy cheeks, and a rummy's nose. Show pulled the little guy off my leg and gave him a crushing side slam that shook him up so badly he had to go to the hospital for real. Then adding insult to injury, the giant destroyer picked him up by the legs like a Thanksgiving turkey and tossed him nonchalantly over the top rope. 
I thought we'd get major heat for beating up a gang of little people, but we were getting more of the what the hell are we watching reaction until I trapped Hornswoggle and pushed him into show's massive mitt for a choke slam. The crowd finally woke up and screamed at us to please stop until the DX Saviors ran down and chased us away. It was a ludicrous end of the show, and when I walked through Gorilla, I asked Vince if his dad was still rolling in his grave. Ugh, he's doing full-on gymnastics routine at this point. <laughs> A few weeks after Tyson's DX betrayal finally got me kicked off Raw, Show and I broke up forever. It happened after I was staging a full-on demonstration outside the arena in Hartford, protesting my unfair treatment by the WWE by marching back and forth with a placard that read, Stop the Jericho Embargo! I'm still not sure what that means, but it makes me laugh. I set up a petition that I wanted the gathering crowd to sign, expressing their desire to see me back on Raw. I figured nobody would participate as they'd be happy to see Jericho finally get his comeuppance, but the opposite happened and the fans were signing it as quickly as they could. After a few attempts to find legit Jericho haters in the crowd, we gave up and added a few plants to insult me instead. Finally, Show came outside to tell me he wouldn't be helping me with my quest to get back on Raw because we were through. We thought it would be funny to do the same, like we were breaking up for real in some sort of cliched romantic comedy starring Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston and play it totally straight. I'm doing this for us, show I pleaded. We deserve a match against DX and I just can't let it go. I don't want this to end. Let it go, Chris. It's over, show replied tenderly. Don't say that, show. I stay awake at night thinking about us. What we had was special and you can't deny that. It was special, Chris. No one knows me like you did, but it's time to move on. I'm on Raw, you're on SmackDown. Long-distance relationships don't work, Chris. It's over. Is there someone else, I asked. Show shook his head no, but I'm moving on. Just know I care about you. I'm always going to cherish the memory, Show. I yelled in desperation as he walked away and out of my life forever. I ate a carton of Haagen-Dazs and cried myself to sleep that night. <laughs> All right, Chapter 27, Effeminate Tough Guy featuring Hornswoggle who was uh, Wednesday's guest on Talk is Jericho. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. Very, very cool interview, chat with uh, with my boy, talking about being a little guy in a big man's world. And uh, that was from Best in the World at what I have no idea. Available now on pre-order, and it's out on October 14th uh, at all fine bookstores. And I will be at some of those bookstores uh, signing doing in-store signings you can come check me out for all of those uh october 14th barnes and noble carl place new york october 15th bookends ridgewood new jersey october 16th barnes and noble staten island new york uh, october 17th third place books in lake forest park washington October 18th, Fort Lewis, Fort McCord in the Seattle area for our fine military. October 21st, Barnes & Noble, Dallas, Texas. October 23rd, Brandon, Books A Million, Brandon, Florida. October 25th, Tampa, Florida, Barnes & Noble. All right, all the plugs are done. All of the uh, reading is done. Now, coming up right after this, the one and only legendary Asa Akira. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Is Jericho. I'm sitting here with uh, Asa Akira across the table, 
and one of the most famous uh, adult. Uh, what's, what's the what's the the, the politically correct adult actress? I don't think there is a politically correct way to say it. I no, mean, you just say like, porn star. Yeah, like even if you say porn star, it's not offensive. I, but I found that a lot of people think that it is. It might have it might have been like you know ten years ago or something. Yeah. You know, porn star like stripper. So it was right. an exotic dancer. Right, 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 right. Or like a gas station attendant was like you know a fuel dispensing engineer. <laughs> so I guess I would be. Um, a, a, I, I heard someone else say erotic provider the other day. Um, <laughs> erotic enabler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pleasure enabler. Yeah. I guess performer would just. I, be yeah, adult performer. Yeah. A, adult actress, mm-hmm. I guess maybe. Um, and the funny thing is about this relationship is that we have the same literary agent. Yes. The guy, uh, Mark Gerald is his name. He's the best. He's great. He's like a total laid back hippie. He's awesome. Yeah, like super cool. And he kept saying, because uh, he's got the really hey you should really talk to Asa man <laughs> and I was like yeah I should and then when your book came out I was like well dude hook us up and that's kind of how it all came to be it's like oh she'd be great for the podcast all because of Mark you should really call Asa man have you talked to her I'll call her if you want to but he's not gay he's like he's married he's, he's not, got a daughter yeah. he has a hot wife too it's <laughs> yeah he's the best it, yeah So, and, and that's the guy that you obviously did Did he come to you about, about doing your book well he I don't know if you know David Cho um, but I do a podcast with David Cho and okay. he represents him what's he's, your podcast called it's called DVD ASA and where can we find that just dvdasa.com okay, cool. or on iTunes. Gotcha. Um, and so he represents Dave and then he, I guess he was like looking through my Twitter feed and he was like, hey, like I think she could write a book. So we hooked up through Dave and then I sent him in an essay and then like the next month we had a book deal. Wow. So yeah, it happened so fast. Now the book is called Insatiable Porn, A Love Story. Mm-hmm. Did you write it uh, I yourself? did. Yeah, I did. And I think... You know, it, it's really funny because people will be like, oh, did you have a ghost written? And I'm like so flattered when they say that <laughs> because – It's that good? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it kind of gives me validation in a way. Yeah. But um, I, I mean you read it. It's very mm-hmm. – it's written exactly how I speak. <laughs> it's very wide open. And then that, you know, when you're writing an autobiography, that's what you need to do. You need to write completely wide open because mm-hmm. uh, people expect that. I mean we know who you are and we know how, how all your accomplishments. But we're all uh, – have all made different decisions in our lives, some mistakes, some things, you know, we're all kind of damaged in a way. And that's why I liked liked reading your book because you don't leave anything out, not just the porn part, like, you know, talking about drugs and everything (laughs) that you've done. It's just like, this is what I've done. You like it? Great. You don't, you know, forget it. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting about like writing it was, it felt like it, it felt safer than like telling, say my husband. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is so weird because – and I feel the same way about like podcasting or being on the radio or anything in public. Mm -hmm. It feels like when I'm revealing something, it doesn't – I'm not as embarrassed about it even though more people are going to hear it. Yeah. And it's just – it's this really like strange thing. But I like it. I like – Sharing. <laughs> it's easier to share with strangers mm-hmm. or, you know, look into the camera eye where we don't know if there's one person watching or one million. Right. Or writing a book. Like someone's going to read it, but you won't be there. Right. So it's okay. Right, right. It makes <laughs> it safe. Yeah, exactly. Now, how, how did you find writing the, the book, the process of it? Writing it was the easiest part for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always like kept a journal and I read a lot. So like writing came really, really natural to me. But the hard part was like picking a title, picking the cover, like all the other stuff that goes around it, which takes 
like a year and a half. <laughs> that to me was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Well, and then there's a draft and then you redraft it and then there's the legal draft and yeah. there's the copy edit. Oh my gosh. Like the copy edit alone took like months and mm. I, I think, you know, by the time I was done, I was like, I am so sick of writing about myself. <laughs> yeah. Like I never want to write about myself again, which is something I never thought would happen. <laughs> yeah. And when you and you know, like, okay, the, the, after this story is this one, and after this story, like, you know it so well because you've had to read it so many times. Yeah. Like, I just finished my third one, and it took it took about a year. But now that I'm done with, it, I don't want to read it. I don't want to ever see the damn thing again. I know how it goes. I know which yeah, chapters after which. I'm done with it. You can read it in 30 it. minutes. Yeah, and it's like I'm bored of these stories. Like done already. Totally. You know? I totally agree. And, you know, I did leave it alone for about probably like eight months. Mm-hmm. And then I read the audiobook version. Mm. And then I was able to enjoy it again because I had like not looked at it for so long. So that was cool. Yeah, you gotta revisit it. Yeah. Like, and I got to look at it kind of a little bit more objectively than when I was writing it. Because like you said, you read it over and over, uh-huh. like paragraph after paragraph, like as you're writing it, that it's just... I would find myself to, debating, like, should this be the or should it be and? Yeah, like the most simple Is it and things. or the? Yeah, I just write it <laughs> Or and like, is it that a word? <laughs> yeah, just, oh my gosh, yeah, it's so, like, like these little mundane things. I, sure. I did notice that, um, which I, you, I would assume you probably did it on purpose, so there's no pictures. Like, yeah. the first thing you do when you have a book is, I get it, and I'm looking through, like, what picture? Oh, there's, there's one picture on the inner sleeve, and that's it. Was that done by design? For sure. Um, you know, I, I went with Grove Press because um, they really, like, understood what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, honestly, I would have been happy with anything. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to write a book, I think, is, like, so special, and I'm, I feel so lucky. But a lot of the other publishers we were talking to, they wanted to do like a cover shot of me in a bikini oh, and yeah, then, yeah. you know, Cliché, straight, straight yeah. to paperback pictures throughout. And like I, I, I did want to make something taken a little bit more seriously because, you know, I mean, I'm in I'm in porn. Like mm. I'm already taken so not seriously <laughs> that I wanted to do something that's, you know, like a little bit credible. Well, I mean, even when you're talking about the uh, the cover of the book, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this really cool, like Jap- Japanese type painted artwork. Yeah. You know, that's even really classy, opposite of what you'd expect. For sure. And David Cho actually did that. And I'm so lucky because um, he's my friend. So if, if I had to pay for that cover, it would have cost me like a million dollars. And I'm so lucky that I got it for free. <laughs> now, you just some said something that uh, is interesting to me because I deal with it sometimes too that you're not taken seriously mm-hmm. because you're a porn star mm-hmm. now h- how do you mean by that people think you're ditzy or people think you're just slutty and all you want to do is have sex all the time or that you're like stupid or, or what, what, what all you of get? those things mm-hmm. and more you know a lot of people think I'm a drug addict um, they definitely think I'm like this crazy party person and you know I it's not that like I'm complaining because I knew what I was signing up mm-hmm. for. Like it's it's not that it bothers me. It's just that this one thing, the book, I wanted it to be taken a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like it's kind of like being in porn is um, it's kind of nice sometimes because people expect so little of me that <laughs> if I even show up to a place, they're like, wow, <laughs> like you're so normal. And I'm like. <laughs> yeah, like, hello. Like if I can put a sentence together, they're like, you're really <laughs> right. intelligent. Wow, you're smart. <laughs> I never thought that. Yeah, the expectations are really low. It's, it's, yeah, it's funny because yesterday we were going to do this, but we had a cross-communication. It's like, 
oh, the porn star just forgot. Well, no, the idiot who's running the show, me, forgot. Well, <laughs> Stacy, we forgot to remind you. So it's like it wasn't the, oh, the dumb porn star just forgot her commitments again. No, it was the dumb guys I running I mean, that it. definitely happens from time well, sure, to time. Well, sure, because you're a human being, though, right? And that's because <laughs> – now, I mean, I mean, you started out uh, in New York City. You're Japanese. Mm-hmm. Do, are you, do you speak Japanese? I do. At home, um, my parents are bilingual. Well, but they're immigrants, so at home we speak in Japanese. And not to know Namai nowadays. Namai wa asa I went to Japan like 60 times. Yeah, I, I, I bet. But I, it was hard to learn how to speak Japanese, man. It's hard because the alphabet's different and just everything. Well, for different. me, what I found, um, have you been to Japan yeah, quite yeah. a few times, I'm sure, is that the dialect is different mm-hmm. in Tokyo from Osaka, Osaka from Sapporo. Yeah. So what I did is I, I gave up because when you try and learn a different language and you don't get it the first times that people look at you with that blank stare, yeah. you lose your confidence, <laughs> for right? For sure. Oh, definitely. So I actually learned how to read katakana. Oh, wow. Yeah, because there's only 25 characters. Yeah. And they're close to English letters, so I, I, uh, I yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I, I just went to the library and I got a photocopy of the twenty-five characters, and I would just drive down the highway and read billboards or buses or That's magazines, really or whatever. But I mean, because I wanted to to learn something other than just you know, I, I'm I'm illiterate. You know what I mean? So, but I mean, my point being, so you came from very traditional. Your parents came right from Japan, mm-hmm. and Japan. Uh, the sexual culture there is strange because it's a very, so like, you know, honorable and quiet. The, the girls are very submissive, you know, to their husbands. Mm-hmm. But yet you'll see businessmen reading magazines of, like, cartoon on the train. giant penises killing people and, like, girls peeing on the beach. Very strange And they society. sell them at, like, 7-Eleven. Yeah. And people will read them, like, at 7-Eleven. It's yeah. really weird. Like, it's, um, yeah, on one hand, it's, like, so sexually repressed like you can't even blow your nose in public. Not that that's a sexual thing, but that I think gives you an idea of like right. bodily functions are not <laughs> accepted or not okay. Um, but yeah, on the other hand, there's, I mean, even I remember like I lived in Japan from six to 12. And as a kid, I remember watching cartoons like on Saturday morning and they would be about like girls in high school losing their virginity. And, wow. and this is like f- made for my age group. And it was just, <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even uh, if you watch a porno in Japan, mm-hmm. they've got the I used to call it like the pixelated Rubik's yeah. cube. It's like a square that goes over top of all the genitalia. Yeah. It's like this is the worst porno ever because you can't even see anything. You know, it's like, and it's not even like it's it's like. It's not even like smartly done. Like they I just know. put this weird thing there that's so distracting. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember a few years ago when the NHL started playing on Fox, they would have people said they couldn't follow the puck. So they put this blue comet around the puck. So whenever it was shot, you'd have this big animated. And that's what it always reminded me of. It's like it's like an animated porno where here's where you're supposed to look, right. but you can't really but you see can't anything. See it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. It's just like an arrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To yeah, pointing to nothing. And then the girls too would just be screaming. Yeah. Like Japanese girls when they're having sex, just like this over the top, like you're killing them. And they love like the the whole rape fantasy. And mm. I think it's because they're so sexually repressed. Like. I think it just for girls anyway I think it just kind of gives them an excuse to like be sexual beings without being like responsible for it interesting yeah um I I mean here too like I think all rape fantasies definitely somehow stem from that 
of being repressed? Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless you're a victim and like mm-hmm. then there's that whole thing. But I do think like rape fantasies come from society being or like really shunning women's mm-hmm. sexuality. And then I, I mean, I definitely have a rape fantasy. And, you know, I I wouldn't say I grew up so sexually repressed, but it wasn't something like we talked about or anything like that. Do you think it was something that and led- I felt shameful about masturbating and stuff when you were like a teenager or even when I was like a young kid? Yeah. Because everybody does that. Were you told that this is wrong? Definitely. I mean, I remember my mom and my mom and I have a great relationship, but we just have very different views on sexuality. But I remember being a kid and like she knew that once I put the covers over me, I would start masturbating. So she made this rule that I wasn't allowed to have covers on me until I fell asleep, which kind of sounds abusive now, but it wasn't like that (laughs) at all. It's cold, mom. It's February. It wasn't like that at all. (laughs) Um, So yeah, like I, I definitely carried a lot of shame about it for a long time. It's, it's almost like growing up in like a heavy Catholic household or something where it's like if you do this it's a sin and you will, you know, burn in hell if you masturbate or touch yourself. Right. The, the Japanese family environment was kind of something the same? It's hard for me to say because my parents are immigrants, so they're almost like they're already kind of rebels mm-hmm. within Japanese culture mm-hmm. just by like being but the fact they moved to the states. Right. Oh, and my wow. dad's a photographer and and so like they're way more liberal than I would imagine like most Japanese families, Mm -hmm. but, um, at the same time, like it's not something that was shunned. It was more something that was like, we just don't talk about it. Mm. Like I, I never had that talk with my parents, like, you know, the The birds birds and the the bees. bees. Exactly. You just had to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I figured it out. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I was, this is a great story. It was in my second book, get the buzzer ready, Stacy. When, when I was uh, 10 years old, Mm -hmm. I told my cousin, my cousin and I were talking, he was eight. And uh, I said, well, you know, how are babies made? My mom told me that they were made by you kiss, daddy kisses mommy. And then the seed passes from the mouth to the mouth. And that's how babies are made. And I told my cousin Chad this and he was eight. He goes, that's not how babies are made. Babies are made by (laughs) and I was like, what? Yeah, listen listen to me. I told you to watch your language with me. And he was like eight. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, that's how babies are made. And I was like, what? It's not by kissing? He goes, no. So my eight-year-old cousin <laughs> taught, taught me about the birds and the bees when I was 10. That's pretty Wise cousin Chad, exactly. Do you think because of the environment that you grew up in, um, more of a suppressed, like we're just not going to talk about sex, is that mm-hmm. kind of what led you to be more curious about sex it's, and get more involved in it? Definitely. It's definitely, definitely possible because I've been so curious about sexuality since a really young age. Like, I, I, like even when I was really little, I was like really turned on by, um, like not that I identified that feeling as being horny, but mm. I was just really turned on by like pregnancy mm. and seeing pregnant women. So like I think somewhere in me I must have known like, she did something to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like I I mean even as like in middle school and stuff like I couldn't wait to start being a sexual person. Like I couldn't wait to get rid of my virginity and just really start living. <laughs> yeah. So um it it's definitely something I've always been really curious about. So how did you find out about sex if you weren't actually told about it talking with your friends and Yeah, definitely talking about it with my friends. I I mean I don't remember like the first moment. Mm-hmm. I do remember like one time when I was in first grade, I 
I borrowed a book from the school library about how babies are made. And I remember asking my dad to read it to me. And he's like, I'm not doing that. And we'll just like, read Mary Poppins. Yeah. Instead. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know like when. Mm. What was your first introduction to, to porno, to a porno movie? Um, I was probably in about third grade. And I went to my friend's house to sleep over. And this is when I lived in Japan. And I didn't have cable. And she did. Mm. And late at night, this mother goose porn would come on. And I, I'm pretty sure, like looking back, I think it was softcore. I don't think there was even any penetration or anything. But... I just remember being like, whoa, what is this? And you were this how old at the cool. time? Like third grade. So you can remember that vividly. Oh, for sure. And I remember like we kept having sleepovers and we'd be like, let's stay up until that thing comes on. <laughs> and it wasn't even like, it's not like we were like, oh, this makes me so horny. It was just like, what is that? Like, right. That's cool. So, so how did you tell us about the journey about how you got into being you know, one of the biggest porn stars in the history of the world? Does it start with... Stripping at first, I know mm -hmm. you worked in a, in a you were a dominatrix in the dungeon. What was the first the step? First step was the dominatrix, and like by then, I mean all throughout high school, I was like, I want to do something in the adult entertainment industry. So you knew this from a young age, for sure. Like I mean, none of my friends were surprised. Hmm. Even when I became a dominatrix, it was like, oh, naturally. It's almost like you were born um, to do it. Like that's how I feel. I mean, I feel so silly like saying that just because of the way most people react. Mm -hmm. But I really do feel that way. And like, so I started as a dominatrix and then I did stripping and then I was on Bubba's show mm -hmm. in Florida. And then there I met Gina Lynn mm -hmm. and then she introduced me to everyone and I flew out to LA like two weeks later. And it, it everything felt like, it, it was like a progression for me. It was like I graduated to the next mm -hmm. step, every level. It was like a promotion. <laughs> a sexual promotion. <laughs> Let's talk about being a dominatrix, though. I mean, mm -hmm. how do you do? You, uh, go to dominatrixemployers.com? Uh, like, how do you fill out a, a, an application? How does I don't know how most people do it. Um, and, like, this is why I feel – I don't know how I feel about things like fate or destiny. Like, uh -huh. I haven't decided yet. Uh -huh. But um, – it does feel something like fate because one day I was walking down the street and a guy came up to me and he was like, would you like to be in the adult entertainment industry? Like just walk past him. Yes. It, it was like on 33rd Street in New York, which is like not even really like a sexy place mm -hmm. or anything. Like I wasn't like in a strip club or anything. Right, right, right. I was just walking down the street and I was like, yes, I would. <laughs> and I was 19 and... Like, looking back, I'm like, was I insane? I would never talk to, like, some stranger who spoke Who you to me met like on the street. Yeah, and he had, like, long hair and, like, he just – not that that means anything, but, I mean, he was just – He had not, a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. And he was wearing sunglasses. He was just, like, not, like I, – I mean, I don't even know what a guy would have to look like for me to follow him now. Yeah, yeah. But, it's kind um, of a danger, like, neon sign. Yeah, yeah, it's like a huge red flag. Yeah. But, yeah, and he's like, well, my dungeon is right upstairs. And I followed him upstairs. He said, my dungeon is upstairs. My dungeon is upstairs. Wow, what a pickup line. At that age, I didn't even know what, like, S&M really was. It's like I had seen it, like, in movies, you know? <laughs> and not even porno movies. Right, like in Robin Hood. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, chastity belts and stuff. Yeah. So, like, I went upstairs, and then I started training the next day on him like everything about it sounds so shady like he he's a lifestyle submissive mm -hmm. and he was the general manager and it was the night shift so that's like the shady shift in his dungeon where he was the client 
He was the general manager the- and my client <laughs> and the guy I was training on. I love Dungeons so much. I'm not just a client. I own the place. Exactly. And like he um, – so I don't know. And like honestly at that point in my life, I didn't even identify as like a submissive or a dominant or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, I didn't even know these words existed really. So it, it was a really cool like learning experience, and mm-hmm. I don't think that I could do it now. Something when you're when you're young and crazy, right? Yeah. But you said you tra- you train like what kind of like, what did you train like? What do you have to learn like what techniques like do you have to learn? How to use the machines oh, or the how machines. to tie someone up? Yeah, like there was this one machine I used. I guess it's called sounding. I learned this way after I did it, mm-hmm. but um, it's like this metal rod that goes into the man's urethra, and then you electrocute. Him oh my goodness! Out. I know, wow. like your muscles just twitched. I, I literally just like I, I cringed away from you. Like, don't do it to me, please. <laughs> now there's a podcast for you. So, what is it um, called again? Sounding. It's called sounding. Jericho gets sounded live <laughs> on Talk Is Jericho. That'd be fun. Yeah, invite oh. me back for that one. Yeah, I'll go to Florida for that one. All right, one. cool. We'll make a date. <laughs> so, um, and then yeah, like I, I just learned. You know, I, I had never used a strap on until then. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I had never peed on anyone until then. And some guys just love this. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, that's a true kind of a They're coming out at fetish. like 3 in the morning, sneaking out of their houses so that they can do and it. And probably like some prominent people in society, I would imagine. For sure. I mean, generally, they were like business, like pretty straight-laced businessmen type guys. Mm. And then also, surprisingly, a lot of Hasidic Jewish men. Really? Mm-hmm. But they didn't like me. They don't like Asians. Oh, so I never saw any. But there's a whole segment that just goes nuts for just Asian. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you've made it so far because some guys have for a real sure. Asian fetish, right? It's so easy to stand out in porn, mm-hmm. or or even at the dungeon, it was like this. But it's so easy to stand out as an Asian girl. Like it doesn't matter what you look like, really. Just hmm. being just Asian. Asian, yeah. Like we want an Asian. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So it's um. Like I think a lot of like people with Asian fetishes are just blinded by the Asian. Mm-hmm. They don't even like they're all hot. Mm, right. It's like guys who like big asses. Like they're <laughs> they don't care what the face looks it's, like. It's 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 the ultimate example of all Asians look the same. You just see an right. Asian and that's all and you that's want. It. Yeah. You like, see a okay, big ass one, you want. That right, one. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> now you, you read in your book one of the interesting stories was that uh, one of the when your customers came and just wanted to smoke crack with you. Yeah. Uh, in the dungeon, mm-hmm. and you didn't. And I did it. You didn't for a while. No. And then you did. I saw him for like months without smoking crack with him. Mm-hmm. And then one day, like I just, I was just like, uh, he, he always offered because I think crack is one of those drugs like. That like when you're on it, you want everyone around you to be yes. on it, you know, like um, like Coke. Right. And so he always offered me and I was always like, no. And at the whole time I was working at the dungeon, I was – I had like a – I wouldn't say addiction, but I was doing a lot of painkillers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always happy. Like it, I'm, I'm cool, you know. I don't need to get any higher than I am. And then one day I just like – I don't know. I was like, OK, let me try it. And then it was amazing. So tell us about – like I've, I've never smoked crack before. Uh, <laughs> tell us about like what is the appeal that makes people just go completely insane for, for crack? Well, the appeal definitely comes like after you smoke it because before that it's like, ew, these people are disgusting. Mm-hmm. I mean once you smoke it though. Mm-hmm. Once you smoke it, it's like smoking happiness for real. What a and quote. And it's crazy because like – What a quote. Like you smoke it, you inhale it and as you hold the smoke in and like 
you can literally feel like the happiness molecule spreading throughout your lungs. Wow. Yeah, and I feel bad saying that because it's like a commercial for crack. But um, well, there isn't there is an appeal to it at, at mm-hmm. the store, or else people wouldn't do it. And that's why I wanted to ask yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. You know? So, so, so w- w- how are you able to stop and like not become a crack addict? Well, first of all, I don't like any drugs that make me feel horrible uh-huh. after. Like to me, it's just not worth it. Right. Like, I've never been. I never liked coke. I never liked really ecstasy even. Um, and crack was the worst come down ever. Really? Like, ever. Hmm. It's so bad. It's just like so uncomfortable in your skin and there's nothing you can do to escape it and except for smoke horrible more. except for smoke more and even when you smoke more it's like it's not as good as the first time wow and it like you don't quite get there like you're kind of just putting off coming down the whole time wow you're talking about smoking the first time the day or the first time ever well i don't know because i i only did it for like one period of time okay um and then once I was coming down, I was like, that's it. I'm never doing this again. Like, it is not You were not smart enough it. to know. Not even smart enough. Like, if, <laughs> if, if, and you know what I always think about? Like, I always think maybe if the come down came first, maybe I would be more into drugs. Because <laughs> I, I think just like the anticipation of like Knowing. feeling horrible is not worth it for me. Which is why guys, people keep smoking it over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You're listening to Talk is Jericho. I'm sitting here with uh, Asa Akira. What was the first porno you did? What was the name of it? I believe it was Top Notch Bitches 5. <laughs> you know, not top, even a number one. Top Notch Bitches 3 is my favorite. Yeah, series, yeah. For sure. I mean, that was amazing. It was all downhill from there. Uh, it just went right downhill, but you kind of <laughs> saved the series. And I always love that about porno movies when they had like the, like on Golden Blonde and Shaving Ryan's <laughs> Privates. They would take famous movie titles yeah. and put them into, you know, for sure. Yeah, porno things. So, okay, so it was uh, with, with Topless, sorry, what was it called? Top. Top Notch Bitches Top Notch Bitches. Or maybe top. it was seven. I oh, really okay. don't. It was either five or seven. They're both critically acclaimed. <laughs> what was it like the first time you had sex on camera? It was so normal. Really? Like, it felt like I – and I wasn't even really – like I was nervous like the day before I guess. Mm-hmm. But once it was that day, like it was just like a normal day and – it, it wasn't even like, okay, here we go. It was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah just, I didn't even have to like pump myself or... up or anything. Yeah, it was just like it happened and I was like, this is amazing. I want to do this for the rest <laughs> of my life. It was like kind of like discovering a new high mm. in a lot of ways. And, you know, I'm an exhibitionist and I like performing. I like entertaining. I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're a wrestler and a musician. Mm-hmm. And like, so it's, it is kind of a high, you know, um, like in its own way. So um, I, I guess I just like 
I can hook. see that though because I mean, you know, you're playing the character of mm-hmm. you're like you're, you're the same thing as I do. I'm Chris Jericho mm-hmm. in real life. I'm Chris Jericho on the stage. Mm-hmm. You're Asakira here on Asakira on the screen. But when mm-hmm. you're on the screen or you know TV screen or phone or whatever it is nowadays, you're playing up to the part. Mm-hmm. You know, extra moaning, extra screaming, extra mm-hmm. whatever it is. I mean, that's and you know what your fans are looking for. You've created this character. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's what you have to do. Yeah. Because I mean, that's. That's who they. You're the fantasy projection. I love it. Of the yeah, like, and I, I like, I like being the fantasy. Like, mm-hmm. it, it turns me on to think other people are being turned on by me. By you. I love it. Wow. So, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's kind of scary too, though. At the same time, because I've been in the business six years, and it has to end at some point. Mm-hmm. Like. I, people aren't going to want to watch me forever, first of all. I'm like, you know, what if I choose to have a family or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I, it's just not realistic th- to think I can do this forever. So it's... When you're in a biz- like, business based on gonna... looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. And I mean, eventually I just want to eat everything and get fat. <laughs> That's one of my You're fantasies. talking about your pizza addiction. Yeah. That's your fantasy, right? <laughs> exactly. I just want to eat pizza off of a, <laughs> of a fat guy's you know, stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and so, then pass out. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean that's that is the thing. I mean, how old were you when you first started? Porn? I was twenty three. Now I'm twenty nine. So what is the what is the lifespan of a of a porno on average lead lead lady's career? Well, on average, it's less than a year. Really? Yeah, I mean, thousands of girls come in every day, and wow. then they do a few scenes and decide it's not for them, which is mm. the worst because you've just ruined your life. For a few thousand dollars, and oh, that's so. Because once you it. get one scene down, yeah, with the internet, yeah, right. like your worst enemy's gonna see it, right. you know. So it sucks for them. So um, either go for it all the way, totally. or don't do it. Yeah, or like the girls who are in it just for the money, mm-hmm. that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not enough money. Mm-hmm. You know? So what do you like? If you go do a scene, I know there's different. I mean, if you just like, let's say you have a normal, mm-hmm. normal penetration scene, mm-hmm. man and girl, guy, girl. What does that usually? It depends. Like when you first get in, you'll get about eight hundred dollars. Wow. Uh huh. And then as you build your name, you can charge more. And then I mean, it goes up to like five thousand dollars for for a normal mm-hmm. scene. Now, what about if you can do something crazy, like you know? You, obviously, you get more. Um, and like you know, you'll get. A little bit more money for every guy if it's like yeah. say a group scene <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. or whatever. But um, and then you can always charge a lot, like a big lump sum for your first anything, mm-hmm. like your first black guy or oh, anything. Okay. Oh anything. wow! Especially once you get some name value. Your first yeah. lesbian anal blah blah blah. Right, right, right. <laughs> first strap on lesbian you know, yeah. gorilla scene. Or yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like the key is to like pace everything out. So how did you? I mean, probably just don't even really know this, but how did you start getting to the point? I mean, you're thinking of the the, the, the big name porno stars. You know, it's, it's Jenna Jameson, mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's, it's think about you and think about a few others. It's a select few, like you said, out of the thousands of girls mm-hmm. that get involved. How did you get to this point of being such like, a huge star? Honestly, like I think most of it is luck. Mm. Like the right companies just happen to want to shoot me at right the right look. time. Yeah, like and, and it's crazy because, you know, things come in waves. Things are in style, out of style. And I, I don't know. Like I I really just think it's luck. Like I'm definitely not the best looking person in the industry. Like there are so many girls who are drop dead gorgeous that go nowhere. Mm-hmm. So and like it's 
I mean, there are girls who are better performers than me. Like, it's it's not... I don't feel like I'm necessarily the best at anything. Mm-hmm. I just really got lucky. And I think, you know, I'm... I don't know. There's never really been, like, a huge... We talked about Asian mm-hmm. porn star. And maybe you came across the right time. You yeah, know, where people just cr- happen to want to see that, maybe. Right. Now, well, who- Asia Carrera was the last oh, one. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Kobe that was, Tai was big. That was year, 10 that was a long years ago, ago, right? Yeah. Like, and... I, you know what? I think that has a lot to do with it. Is like I remember when I first came in, everyone was like, "Oh my god, new Asian girl!" Like mm. it's, <laughs> it's like a hot commodity, you know. Did you originally like? Is, is there a tendency to just stereotype? You? Okay, you're going to be in a massage parlor. Or you're going to be. I could be a masseuse. <laughs> like <laughs> seriously, I think if I like tried out to actually work at Burke Williams right now, they would hire me. You're like seriously? Is that all you got? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had sushi on my naked body. I mean, of course. And it's it doesn't end. I mean, it's not like you get to a certain level and you don't do those scenes anymore. I, I still. I'm I'm playing a masseuse in two weeks. Because I'm doing a big massage that, movie. That's the fantasy though, right? <laughs> yeah. And at first I hated it. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, this is so dumb. I'm so sick of like being the same role over and over. And now I'm like, you know what? This is what keeps me working. I'm going to just embrace it. You, you have to uh, give the people what they want to a certain mm-hmm. extent. That's you know, sure. Your fan base is always going to want that, right? Yeah. And, you know, like at the end of the day, like even, you know, with all these typecasting and cliche and stereotypes, I do feel like it's a celebration rather than like being degraded. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I'm, I don't know, like playing a sumo wrestler or something, you know? Like, <laughs> Which would be awesome. Well, actually, I specifically said that because they asked me once to do to it. To play a sumo wrestler <laughs> yeah. or, to, or to bang a sumo wrestler? No, to play one. What about banging a sumo wrestler? That The first Asa Akira sumo wrestler scene. I would be totally opposed. That'd be like, interesting, if the guy right? Were cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, you have a lot to, you know, lot to squeeze play and with, play with, yeah. right? You know? And I've worked with like um, BBW girls who are like... What's uh, BBW? Big, beautiful woman. Gotcha. So it's basically a Bigger woman girls. who's like 300 pounds. Wow. And that's actually a lot of fun. In what way? It's like... Because it's so different from what you're used it's to. It's just different from what I'm used to and it's like... This sounds so cheesy, but you know that song, Your Body is a Wonderland? It's like that. Like, there's so much. There's yeah. just so much of it. And, like, it's it's just, like, there's just so much to grab. And, like, it's almost, like, more sexual. <laughs> the bigger the cushion, the better the pushing. Yeah, I guess. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you talked about... Um, you know, in two weeks you have a, a massage movie booked. I mean, mm-hmm. what's your schedule like? You have you talked about how you work for like the biggest agent mm-hmm. in the industry, who's kind of like the top level, like the William Morris or the CAA of yeah. you know of porn. So at this point, you can pretty much pick and choose the projects that you for get, right? Sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, well, right now I I signed a contract with Wicked Pictures, mm-hmm. so now I'm pretty much shooting one movie a month, but. Um, when I was just freelance, like working, Spiegler is my agent. Mm-hmm. And when he was representing me and just booking all my work, I was working like five, six days a week. Um, so it's a huge difference. Wow. It's a huge difference. But it's kind of like one of those things where, I, like now, I don't know that I could work five to six days a week. Like it, That's crazy, it right? It burnt me out. But at the time, it just didn't, I don't know, like it was... That's just I how wanted it was. to be working a lot, yeah, and like it, it's weird. I think um, 
I don't know what it is, like maybe because I'm in a relationship now mm-hmm. or it's not that like I don't like my job anymore, but I don't know that I could be hustling like that, like six days a week mm-hmm. shooting scenes, like being on set from eight in the morning till like, you know, eight yeah. at night. Like, it's just I don't know that I have that in me. And well, maybe it's just getting older. I don't know. And experience, too. Yeah. And making it to a certain level. And having that experience, yeah. like, I don't need to gain that experience yeah, yeah, yeah. anymore. So. You know, when I was reading your book, you know, knowing that we were going to talk, there's a couple of things. I'm, I'm kind of weird at what things stand out to me. Mm-hmm. I, I was interesting to me, you mentioned filming five or six scenes in a week, but you said that, you know, you had really bad acne mm-hmm. because of the makeup that you have to wear and the light. So I can totally see that bad. because there's nothing worse than when you're on set all day and you can just feel that grunge. So how is it for you when you show up and let's say you have acne or let's say you have a big pimple on your ass or yeah. maybe you just feel bloated or sick or like how do you I have a I have a lot of days like that. I mean even now like the acne was to me like I had never had acne at, until that mm-hmm. point. Like as a teenager I didn't have it. So to me it was like crippling. Like I didn't want to leave the house unless it was for work and like mm-hmm. at least once I get to set I know they're going to put makeup on me and like through the camera it won't be as bad Mm -hmm. but like i never wanted to go to like meet up with friends and stuff it was like i mean it was it was like really it was like having a horrible rash on your face Mm -hmm. you know right right so it was so depressing to me um and i mean i guess it was like it's weird to think it was worth it but um i mean i would still do it all over again mm-hmm. even if i had to suffer that well again. because you have to be the ultimate fantasy girl at all times you yeah. know you you're a 10 at all times and you walk around a bra and panty and you're having you know you're never you're There's never so not sexy oh yeah i mean you know? like i think we all have a little bit of body dysmorphic disorder is it like that in wrestling dysmorphic meaning that you're not happy with yourself like it's never you're never good enough. Once again, I think when you're younger, you know, especially because wrestling, once again, I always say that wrestlers and strippers or even porn stars mm-hmm. are very similar because you're on the road, you're traveling, you're putting on a show, but it's mm-hmm. a very uh, physical, uh, you know, you got to always look good. Yeah. You always, always look your best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you're always worried about what you're eating and I got to yeah. train and oh, I can't have this donut because I got to yeah. go to TV tomorrow. So it's a, very much a body-based business. Yeah. So it is hard because we're all human beings. Like I said, sometimes you just want to say, screw it, I'm going to eat all this pizza and that's the way it is. But For when sure. you see yourself the next day and there's a little bit of fat hanging over. Yeah. Or, you know, and sometimes you don't even realize it. Like I lost about 30 pounds in the last three years. And if you Google Fat Jericho, you'll see pictures of me where it's like, holy smokes, like that's you? And I'm like, I'm telling people like I was getting fat. Like, no, you weren't. I'm like, Google fat Jerica right now. And you see it and you go, Oh my gosh, like how in the hell <laughs> did I look realize didn't at realize time. it at the time. See, you're the opposite of me then. Because uh, my favorite thing to do, and this is probably like revealing so much mental unhealthiness <laughs> about myself right now, but my favorite thing to do is when I Google myself, I like to look at the pictures on the days that I felt my fattest. Okay. And then I'm like, you know what? I didn't look so bad. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. all in my head. Right. But um yeah, I mean for sure it's I definitely like I'm thinking about my diet and my workout and all that. I'm thinking about that like 50% of my day. For so, sure. So when you show up to do a scene, do you um, now do you have to approve who you're going to be working with? Mm-hmm. Before did you have to uh, mm-hmm. approve it? Okay. Um I wouldn't so much say approve as like 
they let you know who you're mm-hmm. working with as soon as they have that information, which is like a few days in advance. And then you have the option to say that person is on my no list or I don't want to work with this person. So it's not like you're forced to work with anyone you don't want to. But um, it's also not like I'm like, I want to work with so-and-so. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then I get to always choose. What, what would put somebody on the no list? For me, it's very personal. Like um, it's it's nothing to do with like um, – like none of my decisions like that are business based. <laughs> They're just like I didn't vibe well with him. You just like, don't feel a chemistry yeah. or a connection. Or like um yeah, exactly. Like it's Because it's, it's still I mean it's even though it's it's sex as your job, but it's still a real physical connection. For sure. It's you know? a really emotional thing. I mean like um yeah. It's impossible not to get emotional. Like, there's, there have been so many times, like, during the scene, I thought, I'm like, oh, my God, what if this guy was my boyfriend? Mm. Or, like, maybe I could date this person. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'm going home. I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> in the moment. Same way as you <laughs> would think moment. that if you were out at a club and you to drink some drinks and wake up in the morning. It's like, wow, did I end up with this girl? Ugh. Totally. And, like, honestly, for me, like, that's the – that for me, that's the main reason I – don't think I make a good escort is because I, I'm not very good at separating like the emotions from sex. Mm -hmm. And like when I'm on set, it's a performance. Like it has a different like, um, objective, I Mm -hmm. guess. So like, even if I do have feelings, it's like, there's all these people on set. Like it's it's very clear, like when your day is done and you get your check and you go home, um, whereas like with the escorting, I was like, Hey, like, why don't you call me tomorrow? You know, <laughs> <laughs> here's my number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, it, it, and then it just, that just is like, it's too much of a, it messes with my mind mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. So, um, but now, you know, you're, you're married, mm-hmm. your husband, Tony is, mm-hmm. uh, is a porn star as yeah. well. So how is that? <laughs> Um, well, see what I mean? Like, I'm not good at separating. Yeah. Now, did, 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 did you met him before? Did you guys do some scenes together before you were together? I, no. Like, I the first time I laid eyes on him, we were shooting. The camera was already rolling. Okay. And it was, like, kind of this cool setup because he, he's been in the business 20 years. And he's, you know, so, like, very well-known in, like, um, the porn world. And he... But he's European. Mm-hmm. So he was always working in Europe and he's like this guy I always wanted to work with. He's Spanish? He's Spanish. Yeah. So I requested him for a scene um, with this director that I love working with and she's like my friend. So it's cool like that. Like she'll you know, hook it up for me. Right. So he was in town. He was in America and I requested him and she's like, okay, like don't even look at each other until like I'm already rolling. So the camera started rolling and then I walk out of this room and then it was just like crazy. Like it was like crazy electric and like I hadn't even done anal at that point and I like let him do it. And uh, it was just, he was the first. It was just, yeah, like it was, and it ended up being my first DP scene. Okay. <laughs> too. Um, so, and then like, I was just like, Hey, like, why don't you take <laughs> you wanna, me to lunch tomorrow? Yeah, you want to call <laughs> it me It literally tomorrow? was like that. And then, yeah. And then, um, the next day we went on a date. So, I mean, obviously, you guys are both professionals and separating, you know, your mm-hmm. work from mm-hmm. your home life. Mm-hmm. Does it ever cause any issues that you're both having sex with other people for work? And now, no. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we have it down. Um, but of course, I have mornings where I wake up and I'm in a bad mood, and I'm like, "What? You're working with her again? Oh, sure, again? Yeah, ex- that's you like the main her? thing. That's the main thing is like the oh again, and then also we both direct." Yeah. 
So when you're a director, you get to pull, put yourself with the person you want to be with, you know? So I'm <laughs> not that he's ever said anything, but I'm very conscious of like never putting myself with the same guy, two movies mm. back to back. And, um, I think I just do that because I'm sensitive about it mm-hmm. when he does it. So, um, we haven't like fought about work in like years. Mm-hmm. And you've been together so, for, we've been together for, th- we date, we've been dating for a while, but he was always in Spain. Mm-hmm. So we've been like together, together for three years. Does that happen often where, uh, guys and girls in porno meet and date and, and get married? I mean, it's like such an incestuous. Is it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, first right. of all, because we're all working with each other. Right. But um, yeah, like everyone's dated everyone. There's certain people that just and connect, it gets yeah. so messy because then the, <laughs> like the no opera. list and yeah, and <laughs> like you can't work with your exes, which is like 20 people, and like <laughs> right. it's it gets very complicated. I, I know in wrestling, I mean, it's a. It's not a secret society, but only we understand the real ins and outs, no mm-hmm. pun intended, of, of that world. Sure, it's the same in porn. Do you have certain girls that you're really good friends with or are most of your friends outside of the business? I would say most of my friends are definitely outside of the business. Really? Yeah, okay. like most of my friends are like from high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have girls that I really like in the business and I'll hang out with them, um, especially in L.A. because all mm-hmm. my friends are back home in New York. Um but yeah, like there's a few like London Keys I love, Jesse Andrews, Dana DiArmond. So there's definitely like a few girls I really, really like. And how about guys? There's some guys that are just like, you know, this guy's cool, he's like my buddy, but I'm just banging him sometimes when I have to. Honestly, I'm either banging away? them or I'm not. Yeah. Like even associating with them. No uh, there's no after yeah. parties or anything like that. And honestly, like I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm married now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if if Tony were to, like, go to dinner with a girl he worked with, mm-hmm. I would die. Even if they were just friends. Yeah. I would die. Yeah. Like, it would – I'd be heartbroken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I think, like, when your business is sex, that's where you kind of have to shy away. Draw the line. Is, like, yeah. the emotional part. Yeah. Um, which is like the opposite of the rest of the world. <laughs> so you mentioned some of the some of your friends that you have in the business. Were there some inspirations that you had, like some girls when you first came in that maybe took you under your wing, or mm-hmm. someone like, for example, Jenna Jameson's got her own web empire, or was there somebody like? For me, it wasn't Jenna Jameson because by the time I got in, she was already out. Right. I mean, was, but somebody like that that yeah, the, the created sure. an empire. Well, Gina Lynn, when I got in, she was the one that brought me in. So mm-hmm. for sure, she was like my mentor, and I looked up to her. And I remember the year I got into the business, I went to my first AVN award show and that was the year Jenna Hayes just killed it. Like she won everything and she was, she started directing and she had her own flashlight and like just, and she, her website was doing amazing. And like, she was the one I was like, I want to be like that. Right. I want to be like that girl. Sure. Definitely. And, um, and, and then I became friends with her. So like, that's a really cool thing for me too it's like a lot of times you meet the people you want to meet or yeah. look up to and you're so disappointed <laughs> which i think a lot of girls feel that way with jenna jameson even like now you know so i i feel like really lucky that mm-hmm. i idolized someone that ended up being cool being cool yeah, yeah. exactly now you mentioned this a couple times in your book talking about a fleshlight what, mm-hmm. what exactly is a fleshlight so it's um some people would call it a pocket pussy. <laughs> okay. It basically it looks like a flashlight, like a like it, a flashlight, like oh oh yeah, sorry. It looks like a flashlight. I don't even, the word flashlight said, is flashlight. no longer even in my yeah. vocabulary. It looks like a flashlight. It looks like a flashlight, but when you take the cap off, instead of there being a, a light, 
There is, um, there is a mold of me, of, of all of three your of my holes. actual, all three of your all holes. All three of my holes. Okay. And in porn, that's like, when you get your own fleshlight, it's like you That's like getting your own it. action figure it's in like, wrestling. It's like <laughs> Michael Jordan getting a shoe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like that. That's how you know that you've made it to yeah. the big time. So how do they take, does they take a mold of this or something They take like a mold that? of, like, I went down to Texas where their headquarters are HQ is. <laughs> fleshlight, fleshlight HQ. Fleshlight HQ. Can I help and you? they, they molded me. <laughs> and see, like, that's an example of somewhere being Asian really helped me. Mm. Because in a time where there are no, like, token Asian girls, I'm their token You're the Asian one. girl. You're the flashlight. Yeah. Flashlight. And like, honestly, like at the time that I got it, I think I would get one now, but like at the time that I got it, I don't know that I was at the level where if uh, I weren't Asian, yeah, yeah. if I were a blonde girl, never too much competition. Oh right. my gosh. So, um, has there any, ever been any blonde Asians? There's one, but I'm, you don't, yeah, that's kind of weird, not, right? It's weird. If you want, it's if you're going to want Asian, you want full yeah, on Asian. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. That's like its own thing. <laughs> so, so how do they, how do they take the mold? Do they put in some putty down there, or it's, they um, clay? It's kind of like they put like this liquid stuff that turns oh. into putty, and they put paper mache like stuff over it to like cast it. Gotcha. So, um, it's pretty cool. I've done it so many times because I've been molded for like different things. They need different and, models. And- like I just did a real doll. And they so they molded like my hands and my feet and my wow. nipples and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. So um, it, I mean, it feels, it feels like kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of the plaster casters? What's that? Back in the uh, late '60s, early '70s, there was this group of, of groupies, rock star groupies, and they would go take plaster casts of rock stars' penises. Jimi Hendrix, yeah, John Morrison, or Jim Where Morrison. Where are they? I, I, I'm sure they're still around, but it's the famous plaster casters. If you Google it, you'll see. And do I guess, they still do it now? I don't know. You I'm, should do I, it. I should yeah, <laughs> for sure. I guess you just stick it in a bucket of, of plaster and get casted, man. But I know it's for probably sh- exactly the same process. It's probably exactly. You know, they, they, I remember for sure they were talking about the Hendrix one. So that's the plaster casters. So you've got when your they own. do it, like. Do they do it hard or soft? I guess they do it. Uh, I guess it would kind of mold around this plaster, and then you pull. No, it but out. I mean, would the guy be erect? Or yes, soft? he would have to be erect. Yeah, to, I would imagine it would it be hard there. to stay hard. Hard, right? The whole in time. plaster, but unless I mean, it takes like fifteen minutes to set. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that maybe they have plaster caster fluffers. Maybe, or in the business, we have um, some guys, very few guys, but there are like maybe four or five guys that use something called Caverject. What is that? Which is for, um, it's for actually paraplegics and quadriplegics. Oh. And it's an injection and you put it in the base of the penis and 10 minutes later, it's rock hard and it won't go down for like three hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what's that called? Caverject. 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 See, I'm I'm learning. Something like that. (laughs) I'm learning every day. Um, You talked earlier before, too, about directing. You said, what am I going to do when I can't be on screen anymore? Have you ever thought of maybe going behind the scenes? I know some girls have done that. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's kind of one of the main reasons I started directing. Um, And to be perfectly honest, um, it's. Like not even close to as much fun as performing. Um, <laughs> Probably not as much money either. It's definitely not as much money, um, but it's still like good money to live on. Mm-hmm, um, but not what you're used to when you're. It's a not queen. what I'm used to, and like, like Tony loves directing just as he much he loves just as much as he loves performing, mm-hmm. and like I'm so jealous because I just don't like that responsibility like to me i love being on set that part's fun but everything around it i'm like 
So much organization. Yeah, you have like, to be in charge of everything when yeah, you're directing, right? And like, honestly, it's just, um, it hasn't been the most fun for me. Like, mm-hmm. it's fun. And to see the final product is really because that's gratifying. your vision for sure. And like I like I actually like sitting in with the editor. Mm-hmm. That part's fun to me, but um, I don't know that that's like the next thing Doesn't, I'll do. Yeah, not the same vibe. Like right? um, I, yeah, I don't I don't know that that's my plan B. Mm-hmm. Kind of switch back. I, I said something earlier that we t- we laughed about the fluffers. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of just low level, just normal people? It's not a real thing. Like I'm the fluffer. Oh, you just yeah. Okay, you don't yeah. actually have There's someone. There's no fluffer. Fluffer. We need yeah. a fluffer over no. here. Okay. And like honestly, like even if there were a fluffer, I think I would want to do it myself because <laughs> I I think it's like so important to like keep the chemistry going and like right. you know part of it the charade is like that like you're into each other mm-hmm. so and I think. Like with a fluffer, it would remove that. Mm, you want to be know? the one who's causing the erection. Yeah. Be method, so, method acting. Yeah, here. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's method acting. So, um, yeah, but I've, I've never seen a f- or even heard of a fluffer. Okay. So that's just an urban yeah, legend. Like, and, and I mean, there's guys in the business who've been in since the 70s and they're like, no, <laughs> I've never seen a uh, fluffer. Okay. Now, uh, you talked about your... Uh, uh, fascination in the book with the glory hole, yeah. which is something that I'd never really seen, but you just love the concept. Are you even laughing right now? Yeah. <laughs> glory hole. You know, it's not even like specifically glory holes that I love. It's just like, it's like, it's so cool to me. I love anything sexual, like uh-huh. anything to do with sex. Well, yeah. I love, and right. I get immediately obsessed with. So when there's like something that I've never seen, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, tell me everything about it. And a glory <laughs> hole was something I had never seen in real life. Yeah. So it was just really cool. Like I was like putting my finger in it. <laughs> and, like... Now, do, do you know uh, steel Panther? The band? Yeah. Yeah. They have a song called glory hole. Oh really? You need to you, uh, YouTube the video. For Glory Hole, you will laugh. It's so funny, I, I'm and it's watch that all tonight. steel pan. It's over the top, ridiculous. But the song is actually really catchy too. So when when you started talking about the Glory Hole, I can't stop singing this stupid the steel Panther <laughs> song in my head. And even on top of that, uh, I don't even know what I was doing to research this. Whatever. There, have you ever heard of a milking table? Um. I'm picturing something, but I don't know if that's what it's called. It's is a it guy, like a glory it's like hole a reverse, on a table? It's a horizontal like a glory hole, yeah. yeah, where the girl goes under the table. Yeah. And it, that's the dumbest one of all because the guy's lying You know here. what, though? I heard it's amazing. Really? I've never done it. Um, I think Tony did a scene, I guess, on this milking table, whatever. <laughs> milking like, table. Yeah, like they he <laughs> was booked for it, and it was like some Japanese thing. Right. But like he said something to do with the gravity. Like oh, it makes it amazing. Upside down, right? Yeah. Okay. And like I guess all the gravity is like going in the right direction Pointing for you down. to have like a really hard boner or something. I don't even know. <laughs> well, the blood is going down, yeah. right? The blood is rushing yeah. down. Yeah, but he said it was cool. <laughs> uh, just a couple of last questions. What is your favorite type of scene to have? Um, honestly, just one-on-one with mm-hmm. someone I really like, um, which is surprising to a lot of people because I think I'm I'm known for like my um, – you know, like I do a lot of really rough things like gangbangs mm-hmm. and I definitely have like really wild fantasies. But at the end of the day, I'm – I like being like intimate. Mm-hmm. So one-on-one to me is really exciting. And I like, 
I like making a connection. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you said in the book that you, you kind of fall in love yeah. slightly with the partners that you enjoy being yeah. with, which I think you and have I like to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and at like, least for the moment. For sure. And, you know, even when I first got in the business, it was kind of like one of those things where I'm like, I can't be doing that. But now I'm just like, Screw it. Like, yeah, why yeah. not allow myself that? No, your that husband pleasure. doesn't like you to have ba- gangbangs anymore. Yeah, well. Or there's a limit. That hasn't even come up since then. Oh, okay. Um, that's a story that, in your book. There's yeah. like an extra guy kind of slipped, slipped it in. in officially <laughs> making it a gangbang, I guess, in his eyes. But um, now his thing is, like, he he never really puts, we don't really no have limits. like. Yeah, like, because, and I think most of it is because he doesn't want me to put limits on him. Mm-hmm. And like, um. But his thing is, like, he doesn't want me to lick men's buttholes. Okay. That's the rule. <laughs> that's the rule. That's the official rule. I have to and kiss that's your mouth. One that's, like, that's non-negotiable. Girls, <laughs> like, in his mind, girls are clean and pristine right, and guys are disgusting. girls poop roses. That's why. It, girls don't poo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> obviously. So, um, so, yeah, he's, like, absolutely not. And he caught me doing it once. <laughs> oh, and you were so, grounded. Yeah, and he you was lost like, your allowance. He was really mad. But like the thing is, I was using a strap on on the guy, so I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna like just shove it in dry, you know." <laughs> Doesn't so lube. help the guy like, out here. On. You're I, just being a good coworker. Yeah, like I felt like it was justifiable. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that was a, quite the <laughs> argument that you had. Uh, your favorite movie that you performed in, or your favorite scene? I have so many. Well, I mean, tell me some of them. I love all my firsts. Like my first DP, I love. Mm-hmm. I love my first gangbang. I love my first anal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I'm like one of those people. Like I always think the last thing I just did is like the most amazing. Which is thing. great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just did a movie called Asa Gets Wicked, which I think is like amazing. Great title <laughs> on Wicked Video. Yeah, and and like I just love watching it. And um, it, the the cool thing about Wicked is like they make you look awesome. Mm-hmm. And. Very classy. It's very yeah. – it's, it's like old school porn where like the girl is a fantasy and mm-hmm. like she's like this untouchable being. Like, right. And like, you know, for the past six years, I've been shooting straight up Gonzo, which is yeah, like – I've never heard of that before. What eyelash is, on your neck and like – What does Gonzo mean? Gonzo means there's no plot mm, and it's just sex. definitely marketed mainly toward men. I mean, of course women enjoy it. I enjoy it. But for the most part, it's marketed toward men. And it's just no dialogue, no plot, just sex, maybe mm-hmm. a striptease. And feature porn is like where there's a whole story. It's like a movie with right. sex in it. Right, right. And that's like where the Jenna Jameson's, the Stormy Daniels, like that mm-hmm. era comes in. And so for me, that's like what I really looked up to growing up, as <laughs> odd as that mm-hmm. sounds. So for me, it's really exciting to be a part of that world now. Right. You know, it's funny. Um, I love that uh, your name, like when I was in high school, our shop teacher was called Mr. Woods. Like he grew up with the name Mr. Woods. You know he's going to be working with Wood. <laughs> right. Your name is Asa, and you end up as the anal queen. Yeah. Porn. I mean, it was it was a given. And it's my real name. I, was, yeah. yeah. So I was like, "There's no way that's my, a real name." And you know what's so funny? Like my parents, my mom always tells me, like we named because in Japanese it means morning, uh-huh. like good morning. Like good morning, right? And she's always like, "We named you that because we wanted your life to be filled with morning sunshine." And I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> filled with something. <laughs> yeah, filled with something. <laughs> do you have a good relationship with your mom? Does she oh, accept yeah. what you do? And- yeah, like we talk every day. We don't talk about work. Right. But I mean, what? It would be like any parent talking with their kid about their sex life. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. happens to be my job. So, <laughs> but we're really close. We talk every day. She's in New York still. And your dad too. Yeah, and my dad. Cool. I mean, I talk to my dad like once a week, mm. but um, 
you know, my parents are still together. Hey, and... if you're going to do something, be the best at it. I'm sure your parents always told you that when you were a kid. So it's like, all right. It's that Asian mentality, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the book is called Insatiable Porn, A Love Story. Asa has been amazing. I have to ask you to do me one favor. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine is a, is a porn uh, entrepreneur. He knows everything. And he's been telling about Asa Akira for years. Asa Akira, Asa Akira, Asa Akira. When I told him I was going to be interviewing you, he was like, oh my gosh. He gave me this list of questions of like, I couldn't ask any of them on the air. But can you just do me a favor and say hello, Spiwi? Spiwi? Spiwi, yeah. Hey, Spiwi. Too bad you're not here. We could have had a good time, maybe. <laughs> ah, see, there you go, Spiwi. You owe me for life. <laughs> Asa, it's been amazing talking to you. It's been Thank so much fun. Thank you so fun. much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks to Mark Gerald for setting it up. Yes. <laughs> my Can I just tell you, my boyfriend, my ninth grade boyfriend is mm. going to be so jealous. Ah. <laughs> so jealous. I remember staying up late watching like WCW, ECW. Like uh, he made me watch all of that. So yeah, he's going to be super jealous. There you go. We can laugh. Super <laughs> jealous for the fact of who you are. <laughs> Thanks to Asa, Akira. Very, very cool girl. Uh, Super funny. And her book, Insatiable Porn, a love story, out now. Go check it out. Uh, Check out the new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War? And check us out in concert with Theory of a Dead Man tonight, Knoxville, Tennessee, at the International. We're on our own headlining with Three Pill Morning, a very, very cool band out of Minnesota. That's Sunday night at the Gramercy Theater. Don't miss this show. It's going to be a a very, very special, very cool show for all of our Fozzie family in the New York area. Monday, back with Theory and Lancaster at the Chameleon Club. Tuesday, October 7th, at the House of Blues in Boston. Don't forget, new book, Best in the World at What? I Have No Idea, October 14th. Pre-order it now. There's all the appearances and signings for that, which I said earlier. And you know I wouldn't be doing this at all if not for you guys downloading two shows every week and also not for my Sexy Beast sponsors who help us pay for the production costs of doing this for you for free for twice a week. And if you want to help support the show, easiest way to do that is do your online shopping through Amazon and do it through my links. Easy to find. Go to podcastone.com Click on the Keep Our Podcast free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho. You'll see all three of my Amazon links UK, USA, Canada. A Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fee no hidden charges you're just getting your shopping done you're helping me out in the process all right that's another fine fun-filled edition of talk is jericho we'll see you next week but in the meantime and in between time that's it stay hard stay hungry peace love and hugs we'll see you next week uh next week on wednesday john morrison yeah My old bud, John Morrison, is going to be on Talk is Jericho. So don't you dare miss it. It's going to be a big, big show. And to go with that, I got a big, big, yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastOne.com. 